Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, I'm Tabitha. I'm Katie. Welcome back to Crimes and Cocktails. Um, so due to popular demand, we are sharing a historic murder here on the main channel or instead just of just laziness. on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, more popular demand, you know, either way. <laughs> my demand's pretty popular (laughs) um but this is a new episode so if you want to hear another murder like the other history murder we did um that's on our patreon and you can become one over at patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails i mean technically they're all historic murders yeah yeah i mean this is an old one we're bringing it back we're bringing it (laughs) back old school what year did this happen in 1885 okay so we on our patreon we did a similar one that happened in early 1900s yeah early 1900s and people seem to like it so yeah so let's go even older let's do an older one (laughs) we haven't gotten the request actually for um hh holmes but that's a big one to to yeah so that one would have to be a multi-parter i think yeah but maybe you know one day we can do that and you know that's a creepy one so that would be good anyway before we get into this crazy story let's have a drink oh we'll share that yes uh tonight's cocktail is called house of blood blah 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 (laughs) blood blood it's gonna be two ounces of bourbon okay hold on this is I'm actually surprised right now because Katie made this and I don't see anything that's muddled in this. There is nothing. I was throwing you guys for a loop. <laughs> There's nothing shaken, nothing muddled. This is easy. Easy peasy. Yeah. You just put yes. it in your glass, put two ounces of bourbon, your choice, and half ounce of cherry liqueur, half ounce of lemon juice, two dashes of cherry bitters, and add some ice if you want. Yes. Or no ice. You feel that way. I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> top it off with some club soda and garnish it with a uh, a fancy cherry. Yep. And you don't have to belt. I mean, you can muddle it if you want. <laughs> cherry if you want. Good. Not required. Just eat them. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can find this recipe on our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails and also our patron. Be sure to check that out. Like we said, we have other patron episodes at patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails. And, yeah, that's all I really yep. got for you guys. <laughs> when I was bartending, we would ha- we had Luxardo cherries, and I would eat them all the time. I'd just be hungry. I'd be eating olives and Luxardo cherries <laughs> for dinner or whatever. And then my boss was like, do you know how much those are? And I'm like, no, it's a freaking cherry. <laughs> she was like $340 for a big jar of it. Oh, um, <laughs> Uh, it tastes good. <laughs> it tastes like high class. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was like, so I should stop eating. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it is delicious though. Yeah. Very yes. good. That's like that's the best cherry to use in your old fashioned. Oh yes, I know. Sounds I good, want to bundle. I wanna have old fashions at the wedding and I wanna do it right with the Luxardo cherries, but I'm not I don't know if I'm able to bite the bullet on that cost. <laughs> We could just we'll soak uh, regular cherries in, like, <laughs> blue food dye. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I got it solved. Hire me, guys, for all your bartending needs. <laughs> Fluxardo cherries. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Cheers, yes. guys. <clears throat> yes, drink up. All right. So, uh, first, let's get into some of the back history on our victims. Uh, Samuel and Sarah Kay left England um, and then moved to Massachusetts um in the um yeah say the early 1840s or something like that um and that's where they had their only child william um there's some records that say that uh sarah was actually william's stepmother um but when i looked at census records it shows that she's listed as his mother so i think that it's biological. Anyway, in 1851, the family made their way to Folsom for the gold rush, where Samuel mined and Sarah stayed home to take care of William. Yeehaw! Yes. Great. <laughs> exactly. There's gold in them hills. Fun uh, story. My uh, alma mater, Cal State Long Beach, we <laughs> are, I guess, well, <clears throat> they're the 49ers. And yeah. I think that was, like, their football team and everything like that when they used to have that. Now they just have, like, soccer. And then they were, like, the prospectors. And then they were nothing. And their baseball team has always been the dirtbags. Don't ask me why. That's what the baseball team is. But apparently Prospector Pete is bad. So he's gone. And now they're the Sharks. Really? Yeah. They Weird. took a vote last year. And they actually sent me an email to, like, vote. It was between the sharks and the bees or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. the bees are fucking stupid. Yeah. Why be a bee when you could be a shark? I chose shark because <laughs> our school actually has sharks on campus. Um, yeah, that makes more sense sharks. then. I'm just kidding. Uh, they actually do have like, a little <laughs> aquarium though. But uh, So I was like, well, I guess that makes the most sense. They yeah. were going with Go Beach for a while. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that on stuff. Yeah, so. I don't know why they were like 49ers when... You know, there wasn't, I don't know, gold wasn't over there. Oh, so you know why? Because the school started in 49. Oh, okay. That makes either, sense then. I don't think it was 1849. I think it was like 1949. But yeah. 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 Oh, I think that's that makes sense then. <clears throat> um, but. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's, um, totally. No, you're uh, good. Got stuck there on the gold rush, which is also tidbits. my favorite ride at uh <laughs> <laughs> that's very farms <laughs> it's a good time so, i'll stop talking uh full disclosure though uh i don't know shit about this case so <laughs> i do so katie she's katie sharing her knowledge case. yes <laughs> uh, we were just talking about how every episode we feel like we're like oh sorry guys we've just been so busy and so swamped and we haven't had time so this is kind of like not that great or Katie did all the research, or Tabitha did all the research. Yeah. It's the truth. <laughs> One day it will get better. I have to tell myself this. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to stop taking on so many damn responsibilities, I feel like. 
Yeah. That's my problem. And also, yeah. no one ever told you how hard adulthood is, man. Like, you get home from work, and all you want to do is just, like, relax and do something fun. But no, you got to cook, cook dinner. dinner. You got to do the fucking <laughs> dishes. You got to do the laundry. You got to take care of the pets. You got to put the laundry away. My room is a disaster, actually. Um, I couldn't even find my desk. I cleared off a space <laughs> on my desk just to put up, like, my mic and stuff to record. But it's really, really bad in here, guys. I don't even know it's clean anymore. By the time I finish after work getting the stuff I have to get done, like, the stuff I want to do, I'm just like, I, all I want to do now is go to bed. Yeah. It's <laughs> just... And then wake up and go to work the next day. It's, um... <sighs> So all right. for the man, man. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you guys aren't here to be depressed. You're here for murder. So let's go. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Just keep drinking. <laughs> for waiting. Wow, really took What a downer. downer. <laughs> anyway, so they came to full silver the gold rush, and Samuel struck gold and a lot of it. Um, he was able to quit mining altogether and started up his own business, which was the Folsom Lumber Yard. Um, in the mid 1850s, a uh, little history lesson, um, Folsom was rapidly growing because of the Sacramento Val- Valley Railroad, which was actually the first railroad in the West and, um, made the area a huge traveling hub, um, to the gold fields. And then, so because there was a lot of construction going on to keep up with a lot of pe- new people coming to town and new businesses popping up, um, Samuel's lumber business was booming. Um, He ended up owning at least 75 lots in Folsom and 15 buildings, and then he would rent them out to new business owners in the area. And then at one point, he was actually the deputy deputy sheriff of Folsom as well. Um, So, you know, they were really well known in the area, well respected. Um, You know, of course, newspapers say they didn't have any quarrels with anyone. Um, And so I know we've talked before about how everybody is a saint. Yeah, after they die. And I was just like... You know, this dude's a major landlord. I'm sure people hated him. <laughs> and like, um, you know, since he and Sarah wind up dead, obviously at least one person hated them. Someone <laughs> didn't like him. Yeah. All right. So let's see what Kitty has for me to read. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now how the K's were killed. Sometime in the evening after about six o'clock on October 7th, 1885, Sarah Kay was in her kitchen when an unknown assailant attacked her. She was strangled to prevent her from calling out for help. Then she was stabbed five times in the chest with a large knife. She was disemboweled, beaten with a blacksmith's hammer, and then dragged to the woodshed where her body was later found. So someone really did not like her. That's for sure. Damn. Uh, At some point after this, Samuel Kay arrived in the kitchen... It's unknown whether he was out of the house or not when Sarah died, but it's safe to assume he didn't come over when she was being attacked and dragged. He was then stabbed three times in the chest, beaten with a hammer, and then after his death, a knife was pushed through his throat to pin his body to the wooden floor. The murderer then ransacked the house, stole money and jewelry, And the murder weapons, which were brand new, by the way, so they were probably purchased to do this very job, task, murder, crime, uh, were left in the house with the bodies. A strange fact reported is that when uh, it appeared that the murderer had eaten food in the house after he did the murders, he had some pie and jelly was left out on the table, so maybe he made himself some toast and had a piece of pie. Mm. 
Good toast. Good toast. You like to have some toast in my quarters? <laughs> Try me in my quarters for some toast? People uh, might start thinking you're a fussy. <laughs> That's from Nacho Libre, if y'all don't know. Uh, which is pretty ballsy to kind of just hang out afterwards and have a snack. Kind of reminds me of, like, the Golden State Killer a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's bringing, like, turkey in a Ziploc bag. Like, yeah, shit. just very, like, comfortable to just be in the home after. Yeah. A it's couple, creepy. I mean, there's a couple murders we've talked about that have done that, and they're always, like, they're, like, top-tier psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how angry this person was was just, and then just sit down. I'm just hoping he wasn't, like, taking the pie and dipping it in the jelly or something, because I was just, like, that's Maybe nasty. he had jam boys, boysenberry. Oh my God. Mm, <laughs> All right. So <laughs> the morning after the murders, you know, it's around 8 a.m. Um, 12-year-old Thomas Burke came to the house to deliver milk. Uh, he found that the kitchen door was unlocked. And so he just went in when they didn't answer the door. Um, which poor kid. Um, he stepped in and saw Samuel Kay's body. He immediately ran out and found William Nichols, who was a nearby neighbor, um, and then Nichols ran to go get the police. So once they arrived, um, Nichols informed them that he had seen Samuel Kay the evening before which at around 6 p.m. And that it was well known that Kay kept money in the house. Um, which, I, you know, I I know that the bank's across the street from where this happened. <laughs> so it's like, keep your money at the freaking bank and you won't get murdered. Um, and uh, I'd also be like, why is this guy offering all this information? But you know whatever anyway so he did it exactly (laughs) (laughs) so Folsom was blindsided by these murders um it was 1885 and you know so many people were coming in and out with the gold rush that murders weren't unheard of um but this one was so close to town and it was not just some you know like random gold miner cut for his money it was like the nice old k's in their 60s it's also like Um, it's very brutal yeah very brutal um, and Folsom was a really tiny town at this time. It was like 600 people. Um, so everybody knew everybody and they were terrified that a string of murders and robberies would begin after this. Dude, I would. Jeez. Yeah. So we kind of think that this is just, um, or we may think that it is just modern day news that goes too far, but in reality, news has always been sensualized, sensationalized, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sensual. <laughs> Sensualized. (laughs) Shocking themes make good sales, and the papers knew it. (laughs) And just like good old uh, the case here struck gold, so did the newspapers. (laughs) Did you like that? (laughs) (laughs) I did. California gold. With this story. So the newspapers decided, as they usually do, to prey on the people of Folsom's fears that there's a murder in their midst, which is just... I remember I saw... I don't remember what it was. I saw something on, and the guy was like, the news is literally designed to make you scared. Yeah. And so I always think is. that now when I watch the news, like, I, I read a little bit of news every morning when I wake up, just, you know, not be totally oblivious to what's going on and stuff, but it is 100%. No matter, like, if it's left or right or undivided whatever news it's just it's just what it does it's just the most extreme things ever um they want to sell it they want to sell it yep uh the k murders reported everywhere with headlines meant to shock and thrill readers and nothing seemed to be off limits 
The K home was referred to as the House of Blood, and headlines referred to Folsom as Breeding Place of Murders. The newspapers also didn't spare any details when it came to the state of the bodies, which is actually pretty sad. Um, Yeah, they were, like, very detailed about what happened to both Sarah and Samuel um, in the newspapers. Which is, like, such a fuck-up for uh, the police at this point, too. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's investigation. Investigations back then were not uh, top tier. No. (laughs) Folsom is a tiny... I mean, it's a tiny little town today. I imagine... Yeah, I mean, it's getting bi- a lot bigger I mean, right it's not now. Tiny. It's tiny, expanded not the right a lot. Word, I guess, but. but I mean, it's not a, you know a huge, huge place. And back then, at this time, there was only six hundred people. And I mean, a lot of people were in and out for the gold rush. And like, there's the trains. So you'd get you know people stopping here and there and whatever. Um, I hear that. But you knew coming. your neighbors <laughs> coming around oh the bend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, very small town. So. And they were just like, oh, my gosh. And they were, like, reporting other murders that had happened in the area through the years. <laughs> Whatever. They're like, see? It's not safe there. Which is funny <laughs> now because Folsom's, like, <laughs> very safe. Yeah. Um, anyway. There's no Salinas. No. No. <laughs> it's more like a Monterey. So... Um, suspicions immediately turned to the K's son, William. Uh, it was well known around town that he was a no good drunk. <laughs> and apparently, um, the father and son had fought recently in public. And one witness claimed that Samuel threatened to cut William off if he didn't change his ways. Um, another witness claimed that Samuel had written a will leaving his son only $10. And then the newspaper started saying, oh, the will's been missing. And, you know, blew that up as well. So the Kay's estate was worth $30,000, which is almost $800,000 in today's money. It's like a cheap um, house in California right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a condo. You couldn't buy a house in Folsom for that price now. (laughs) But now, um, but then it was quite a lot. So um, obviously the newspapers were like, William would benefit a lot if his parents were dead. Um, so police and newspapers passed around William's likeness, trying to find him for questioning. Um, we'll post actually what they, um, sent around. His mustache is pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and <laughs> You're not a man if you don't have a mustache. Exactly. And then one detective working on the case was talking to newspapers and said that he, um, would not be surprised if William turned up dead as well. Uh, he believed that William was guilty and had worked with a partner, and then the partner had double-crossed him, which is why they were able to find him for questioning, which I was like, what is this weird fantasy, dude? But, yeah. He's just, like, uh, in his office, like, smoking a cigar, like, yes. And you see here, he was double-crossed. How do you yes. know? I just feel it. You can't. <laughs> Double crosser, double crosser. Can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I know. Uh, apparently you can. <laughs> you just did. So, um, but he was proven wrong just a few days later um, because, I mean, not about William's guilt, but his death. Uh, William was arrested in Marysville on October 19th. And then he claimed that he knew nothing about his parents' death and he'd only seen that they had died in the newspaper on October 13th. So William swore that he was innocent and that he had an alibi to prove it. Um, but he didn't have an explanation as to why he waited to go back to Folsom after seeing all the newspapers calling him in for questioning um, because he had six days to turn himself in, which so it's pretty suspicious there. Um, He's like, yeah. hmm. <laughs> Let me do all the things I want to do first. 
Go yeah. get drunk. Maybe he was plastered for six days. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so, uh, so I was plastered on Monday. I'll never forget this Saturday. one time. You were visiting me in Long Beach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like around 4th of July. And you were it there was. for a week. And you just one time. It was like at night we're hanging out. And you're like, I've been drunk for three days. <laughs> I was like trying to count in my head. And I was like, I literally have been drunk. I think he said days. four days actually, but yeah, it was like ah <laughs> oh, college, <laughs> wild times, wild times. <laughs> so William yeah. talked openly with Deputy Sheriff McComer in Folsom. McComer was a family friend and had known William since he was a child. Remember, Samuel K had been a deputy sheriff before, so there was a little bit of like a police relationship there. So McComer was trying to give him the benefit of a doubt, but suspected him also. William claimed that he had been, well, see, here it is. He claimed that he had been drunk for several days and had been working at Rose's levy camp in uh, Calusa County. So fortunately for William, his story did check out. And a man named John Denver. (laughs) You fill up my senses. (laughs) Like a night at the Levy Camp. Best album ever is definitely John Denver and the Muppets, the Christmas album. (laughs) Do yourself a favor. Five golden rings. Holidays are coming. Uh, So John Denver comes forward and says, yes, he saw William at the camp steering the K murders. So... And he was definitely drunk, he said. I don't know. With William's (laughs) alibi, the police had no other suspects lined up. Newspapers, of course, blamed the Chinese population as the caves lived near Folsom's Chinatown. But there was no proof there that anyone had done anything. So a year later, a man named Simmons, um, only listed his last name, um, claimed that a Chinese man had confessed to him while they were both in prison that he had murdered the case. But upon questioning, um, the man was like, no, that guy's a liar. And then Sheriff McComer wasn't able to find any evidence that the man knew anything about the murders at all and then found out that he hadn't even lived in the area at the time. So the case went cold and this time for good. Um, William took over as administrator for his father's will, which was not missing, like, the newspapers had said so hashtag fake news hashtag. and um was the sole inheritor uh, to the state um and but then by this time some of Kay's buildings had been lost in an 1886 fire so um the will originally gave everything to sarah Kay if she outlived samuel and since it could not be proven that sarah died first the estate legally belonged to william instead of passing um to anyone else of sarah's choosing um, but it looks like some lawyers tried to fight William's ownership for the state at first because of this, um, because Sarah actually had her own will and had left William nothing in it. Huh. So they were trying to take it for themselves. But um, the courts ruled in William's favor and he was able to inherit everything. So um, William doesn't appear much more in newspapers again, except for there's like a comment saying that he had not stopped drinking and that he was no doubt going to drink through all of his <laughs> newfound money. Um <laughs> And then several deeds show that William K. Um, sold properties that his father had owned to other locals. Um, in the newspaper, it seemed to be the common consensus that William was guilty and had escaped murder um, murder charges. So nobody, but nobody could prove it. So um, I'm sure it wasn't a very comfortable environment for him, and that's probably why he sold everything and moved on. And also, you know, his parents. I were mean, it's a very there, personal so. murder. 
So yeah. it's definitely plausible that he would do that. And if his mom left him nothing, then maybe there was a really bad relationship there between him and his mom. Yeah. And if he like, and it seemed like most of the vengeance was out on his, on, on her. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I don't know. Unless there's some secret lover we don't know about or something. Or maybe yeah. a tenant. Because didn't they own, you said they owned a lot of property that mm-hmm. they would like rent down stuff. Maybe someone got pissed off. Yeah. The K residents, or the so-called House of Blood, seemed to not recover from its title and was vacant for some time until it was used by Emma Spencer as her house of prostitution, which is, that's a different yeah. House of Blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so, yeah, which was a very popular, popular house of, um, what do they call those houses? Ill repute. Ill repute, yes. <laughs> brothels. Brothels, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Whenever I hear brothels, I just think of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Brothels. Yeah. Uh. <gasps> Rest in peace, little finger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, these newspaper accounts go all the way to World War II when it was finally shut down because all the uh, military guys from the nearby airbase kept visiting. Yeah. man, so it's hard up there. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, today the house still stands. It has a very, very much different use. It has been, uh, moved from its old location at Riverway and it's now a school. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, it's a Montessori school now. Full circle. Yeah, no, it like stayed vacant for a very long time, and people were like, "It's haunted," and nobody would get it. And then Emma was like, "I don't mind some ghosts." How did they (laughs) move it? They like picked it up and moved it. Yeah, yeah, they picked it up and moved it um, because they were building something on River Way, and then somebody, a local, didn't want it to get knocked down because of all of its history. So she, I believe. I don't know if she paid for part of it to get moved or if she just rallied to get funding and then got it moved and now it's used as a school. So, wow. Yep. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll never know who killed the K family, but as Tabitha was saying, you know, any true seasoned true crime junkie um, knows. <laughs> true that, crime junkie. Exactly. Knows that those deaths were really brutal for just a robbery. Like, they were very angry, especially. Yeah, the towards, robbery was like an yeah, yeah, especially towards like Sarah. I mean, both of them were very. And like Samuel's throat was pinned down with the knife into the floor, and then Sarah talk was back to me. beaten like so bad. So, um, you know, it's very probable that the murder knew them well. Um, and William was cleared of any wrongdoing by an alibi, but you know, it's also possible that he did have a partner, like that one detective said, and that maybe that partner was John Denver. So, um, You've you know, my senses <laughs> with uncontrollable rage. <laughs> yes. I think, you know, it would help explain why William didn't return home after hearing about his parents' murders because he knew they were dead. Yeah. Um, and then he was guilty. Um, but you know, that's just a theory. And we hate to give you guys an unsolved murder, um, but you know, really that's the way it be though. sometimes. Um, and then, you know, something interesting that I also came across in the newspaper that I thought was funny um, was a mention of optography, um, which is a really old forensic theory that suggested an image could be captured in the eye of somebody mm. or something that had died recently. Like the last thing um, they saw, right? Before they the died. last thing they yeah. saw, yeah. And so and a your newspaper. Eye goes... <laughs> 
takes a picture. picture. <laughs> yeah. And so a newspaper suggested that the Folsom police should have an optography done on um, Samuel or Sarah's eyes, but they I wasn't able to actually find if they had tried this or not. Um, but, you know, it's a bogus theory anyway. But it was just funny that they were just like, oh, my gosh, they should try this new forensic theory and maybe they'll be able to see who the murderer was and was just like, y'all idiots but, dude that would make things so easy right <laughs> imagine if that was possible yeah um it's more like hmm, i see myself in their eyes oh fuck <laughs> right then you just have to gouge out all the eyes and take them with you or something like well i mean there yeah there have been because because this uh forensic theory when this was going on there were a lot of murderers that actually would do that because they mm-hmm. were afraid that uh, yeah they're just in case yeah just well in there's case. There, i was reading <laughs> and there was a german scientist who was like doing tons of tests of this on rabbits and then he thought that he could see a window that was in his house reflected in the rabbit's eye so then he started spreading like it works it works but it oh my gosh you gotta test it with like other things even though i don't really want you to kill rabbits but yeah, he was, like, killing bunnies left and right. And so, it's just crazy. Coon, Coon, I think was his last name. I don't remember. Anyway, um, so sources from today. Folsom Telegraph, Sacramento Bee, Folsom Historical Coon Society Archive, uh, Sacramento Union, and San Francisco Chronicle. So, um, Good job, Katie, on yes. all that research. <laughs> yes. So, um, it's... Uh, I, w- I want to know. I Did you know. go and uh, see the house? Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've been inside it <laughs> multiple times. So nice. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's an older looking home. It's nothing fancy. Um, I didn't get any, like, creepy vibes from it. But, uh, well, you know, maybe it's, knowing it's been a long it's time. Been too. And it's been moved and then used as a school for a long time. So, feel like any um, any weird vibes would be from the uh, prostitution house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, we have a lot of stuff in the museum from that house. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but, yeah. A yeah worm. My I know theory, you did it. I hope yeah. you're burning in hell. <laughs> like, I think that's the best theory. I mean. Yeah, like public fights where he's getting, you know, threatened to cut off. His own mother doesn't even want to leave him money um his father is going to give everything to his wife and then you know everything reverts back to his heir afterward by default um and just how much anger was in everything and just we like, should do um dang it what's the other house i was thinking about um totally spacing on her name lizzie borden yes we should yeah. do that case that would be fine that'd be cool because i actually went to that house and um yeah, I have some theories too about that place. Ooh, I want to hear. So, them. Yeah, so maybe we'll on do an episode. That, one later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that would be fun to do. Um, what is it? The wax, <laughs> the axe, little rhyme. The axe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lizzie Borden, uh, forty wax or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah. Yeah, something creepy. But that's the problem is, um, because if you guys don't know anything about Lizzie Borden, we won't totally ruin it all for you. We'll we'll do an, we'll episode, do an episode on it. <laughs> But yeah. um, she was like, you know, it's it's kind of an unsolved case again, mm-hmm. kind of. But uh, <clears throat> because once you're seen as a suspect in a small community, you're never unseen as a yeah. suspect. Unless another suspect comes, you know, forward yeah. or something like that and it, it does get solved. But yeah, you know, it's very much a 
it should be you know innocent until proven guilty but it's crazy about lizzie borden is that she like she never moved <laughs> right she was like Oh, I bitches. see your anger and I'm staying. I'm staying. <laughs> she stuck it out. Yeah. No, I would not. I would have been like, I'm out. Um, and, yeah. you know, guilty or not, I'm out. <laughs> so, especially if I was guilty. This guy, yes. though, this uh, William, he'd have to be, you know, maybe he was drunk. Maybe he yeah. just, you know, maybe like some drunk anger fuel like came out and it just kind yeah. of went like next level. Like maybe he was thinking about it. And the yeah. reason why it's such an intense murder is because he was intoxicated or something like yeah. that. And just it seemed like he would borrow money from his parents all the time and then drink it all away and then do just odd jobs here and there. So, I mean, I could totally see him going to ask for more money or something and then being told no and then getting mad and then get drunk and then going back over and or, you know, even being drunk while he asked for it and then um, attacking yeah. them crazy so yeah. well if there's any old cases that you guys know about and you'd like to share with us or something i'm always interested to hear about small town like kind of little little like little murders that happen in your local town yeah. some of that too so i know there's Let a us know. couple that i just discovered in uh salinas area and i'm like oh my gosh I like reading about yeah. that stuff. And also, beware Santa Cruz. There's a slasher out there right now. I, yeah, I saw that you posted that on our Instagram, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, hope they so. find him. I did, it's kind of... But you know, that's kind of a cool name, though. Like, and it's kind of a cool slasher. name, and you know that the <laughs> so. newscaster's like totally like, yeah. They're like gold. Santa Cruz <laughs> yes. slasher. But then people in the comments are like, I thought we were done giving, like, people, you know, good names and oh, stuff like shut that. shut up. I'm sure. Shut up. It makes it catchy Cute. and it makes people care because they remember and like are going to be on the lookout. So, yeah, I, but then it can also make the killer want to do more exactly because they want to see their so. cool nickname. I, Dude, feeling... I can imagine, like, this is sick. I'm sorry, but like the Santa Cruz stickers, you know, and then he's a slasher. Oh my god, oh, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, and honestly, Santa Cruz is like. That's a hotbed for murder. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. But it's also a hotbed for, like, Everything. drug use yeah. and psychedelic drugs and a well, huge they... homeless population there right now. Yeah. Um, it's really sad, actually. But um, well, I hope they find whoever that is. I hope they find People too. in Santa Cruz stay safe. Stay like, safe. That's scary as hell. Stay um, safe. Um, stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> stay alive. Stay alive. And fill up your sandwiches. All right, maybe we should sign off. This is a shorter episode, huh? Yeah. I'm about to make yeah. it longer with all my tangents at the end. <laughs> singing. I love doing John that. Denver. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening in this week. We hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails or Patreon.com slash Crimes and Cocktails. You can follow Katie at Gray and is it Grays? Grays and Stripes. Yeah. Grays and Stripes on Instagram. Yep. You can follow me at tabitha.ray. And if you want to email us anything, any interesting stories, crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. And we will catch you on the flip side. Amazing.